I know you. You are afraid to speak up. You are scared of what other people think of you. And you blame yourself for what happened to you. I know how it feels because I've been there. If you found me, I'm so grateful you are here. This podcast will give you hope. And I'm your host, Anna Maidanova. And I'm going to hold your hand and provide the guidance. It's time for you to find your why and turn your experience into your biggest power. This is your time now. So lock your door, put your headphones in and enjoy. Nancy V. Brown, welcome to the world's best trauma recovery podcast. Hi, it's such a wonderful honor to be here with the world's best trauma recovery coach. Thank you for having me. Nancy, it's such a pleasure and such a blessing for me to know you. And I have a first question for you. Nancy, talking about mental health and what's going on in the world right now regarding COVID and the war and all the work that you do for children with sexual abuse prevention, with suicide prevention, bullying prevention. How, how do you keep yourself motivated and focused and positive? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, the way that I keep myself uh, positive and motivated is I focus on hope. I focus on hope. I feel like if you still have a little bit of hope, okay, um, then anything is possible. And so for me, I try to focus on my healing and, uh, and really trying to help other people who are in that same broken place that you have already walked through. That also helps me to, to, um, to feel like I'm contributing to society. Uh, especially with what we're talking about in regards to mental health, um, mental conditions, mental illness. You know, mental illness is a disease just like any other disease, like cancer, like diabetes, like obesity. Uh, those are all diseases. And um, I just think that the more we talk about things and the more we are transparent and the more we educate ourselves then the stronger of a community we could become and we can't win. You know, suicide is preventable. It's preventable, but because we don't want to talk about it, we're embarrassed or we feel judged or there's a stigma connected to it. Uh, then that stigma makes us shy away from talking about it and from being transparent uh, with other people. Um, when you're dealing with, you know, people who are judgmental and make mean comments, when you do start to share and to open up, when you're in a position in a, on a platform where you're helping people, um, you do experience that. You experience, you know, people who are going to be supportive, and then you experience people that are going to be not happy that you're speaking on that topic. Um, so, yeah, the way that I try to encourage myself and encourage other people by continuing to talk about things that I'm in control of. No, I can't change everything in the world, but I can make uh, steps to help make some steps towards every little step that will help us to get there. 
And so I'm just trying to be a part of the step takers and take the steps, take the big steps, even though I'm still uh, healing and recovering myself. There's times that I'm in a very sensitive state and I have to recognize that and learn myself. Um, I spend a lot of time with myself. And so, um, you know, learning yourself, learning your triggers, learning what works for you and what doesn't and all of that. So um, I'm definitely just uh, looking to help fix the issue as we continue to heal together at this point. Thank you, Nancy. I really love how you say control what you can control and spend more time with yourself. I really resonate with, with this and it helped me a lot just to stay focused on myself. Yeah. Nancy, and what inspired you to, to become the biggest advocate and ambassador for children? You know, I, um, I went through child sexual abuse at the age of five years old. So that, um, you know, is something that I suppressed and kept in the back of my database pretty much um, because I've always had to overcome something. I always had to fight through something. I always have to clean up uh, something that I might have, uh, that I contributed to. So definitely me, myself, understanding the challenges involved with recovery as a child sexual abuse survivor um, and knowing that I educate myself and um, and I understand the importance of educating myself and I understand that it's also about who gives you the information. Um, if the person that's educating you has empathy, if they also share with you that they've been through it, you know, those things help to open up a door for someone to feel safe to talk about that particular topic. And knowing that I had um, the heart and uh, the compassion, the empathy and the understanding and, um, you know, and the education, because I, again, I try, try to train myself. It would really, really be wrong if I didn't um, rise up and continue to advocate for, for this particular area, which uh, is near and dear to my heart. Uh, as as it relates to child sexual abuse, yeah. Uh, but you know, uh, you know, I did go through this, um, and I suppressed it, put it in the back of my head, and uh, things would happen in life, and I would fall down, and I would fight with um, rejection, or I would fight with depression, or I would fight with anxiety, and. Um, to bring it back, why did I advocate in this particular area? Uh, was it mental health that you said, or mental health and yeah. uh, and uh, suicide? Yeah, child suicide prevention and yeah, and yeah, basically just as a survivor who understood every area of the um, topic that is being talked about in regards to that topic, um, I just really felt that it was especially important. Now, I mean, it's always been important for me as I got older to help people, but it's always been more private, just talking to people and just being supportive like that. But as, uh, you know, as the doors are opening for us to have healthier conversations and for us to heal together and forgive each other, because uh, forgiveness is such a big part of uh, my healing journey. Um, 
And I just want to share, I just really want to share those things with survivors or with people who are new to this. There, you know, every day children are being sexually abused. Every day a parent has to now figure out how to talk to this child. Every day um, a child is committing, um, well, I'm sorry, every day a child is passing away by way of suicide. Every day uh, we're having these same conversations and every day we're trying to find ways to change the the problems so that we invite these conversations and make them be okay and be safe and be non-judgmental. And so I think putting down our, our titles, a lot of times putting down our titles and just coming down to the level of the person who's broken and letting them know that you understand, like, look, I have your back. I have you. I, ha- I Like when I say I got you, I got you. When I say I understand you, <laughs> I understand you. And so um, a lot of humility comes with that because when um, when you've been through that level of abuse, a lot of times you build a hard shell because you have to rebuild and strength. Every time you fall down, you have to rebuild and strength and that shell just becomes harder. And so a lot of times um, as we're recovering, we become harder and we become um, not approachable and people don't realize that you are a safe space. So I just want to make sure that people know that we are a safe space. I 100% agree with you, Nancy. I think as an adult, especially who went through her horrible experience of sexual abuse, we have responsibilities for other children to show them, to to lead by example, to show them the courage. To, to show them the bravery of speaking up, to show them self-belief, to show them that we are someone who they can relate to. We are someone who can, who will listen to them and will support them and will believe them. Because while we keep it in secret, more and more people, more and more kids are struggling from these horrible abuses. Nancy, we know that... of sexual abuse, especially, is happening within a family, by family members. Why do you think kids are so afraid to speak up when it happens within the family? Well, that's a great question. Um, That the reason why children are afraid is because, you know, children, they're children and they're vulnerable, they're new and they're learning life, right? They're so new and they're just, they don't know right from wrong. They learn everything from their first caretakers. Yeah. So if the first caretaker is hurting them or abusing them, they're going to believe in their minds that that abuse is okay and that Mm -hmm. is normal you start to normalize it because that's all you know. That's all you know. You're vulnerable and that's what you learned. It's like if I always say this, if I teach you that a tree is called a spoon, you're going to call the spoon a tree. Yes. 
So, you know, you learn what you learn and that's what you're going to put out. So a lot of these children who have been through sexual abuse, they repeat the abuse. They repeat the abuse on others or on their own children. Um, the abuse starts as early as newborns, okay? When somebody's dealing with a mental illness in the area of uh, they are abusers who are predators. Um, a lot of times they go after the babies because the mothers would never expect the father to do something like that. And uh, the babies will not remember. Uh, so some people are caught. OK. And that's um, how this uh, how this information comes out. But when it comes to a child now that's a little older, uh, the trust that you have for that adult, because that's your first caretaker, the person that feeds you, the person that clothes you, uh, the person that takes you to doctors or whatever, whatever needs you have, you have to go through that person. So how do you tell on that person? Or if it's a sibling, you know, how do you tell on the sibling without getting them in trouble or without everybody coming down hard on you for telling, right? Um, and so, it's very difficult because sometimes when you tell, you're not believed. And the other times when you tell, people will take sides and it will not be your side. They'll take the other favorite sibling side who would never do anything like that. Uh, and then you'll be the black sheep who's just starting trouble and making up stuff. And so all those things keep people from telling. Uh, it, it makes people feel unsafe to tell. And it doesn't create an environment where it's uh, opening that safe space for you to share and for you to get the help that's needed. That's that's definitely uh, one of the reasons why kids don't tell. You know, And then another reason is if it's your uh, family member, you love them. I mean, it's such a weird uh, technical type of situation to explain. And if you've never been through it, it's very hard to understand. And there's nothing wrong if you don't understand. But uh, if you have been through it, you might be able to relate that you love your abuser and you don't want to hurt your abuser. You don't want to see. I'm sorry. Let me say this. You don't want to see your loved one going to jail. You yeah. don't want to hurt your loved one. Your job is to protect your loved one and, you know, and to correct them behind closed doors and address the problem at hand behind closed doors as a family. We as a family have to talk and we have to create gateways where people, children are um, are able to feel safe to tell on their abuser. This happened. This did not make me feel safe. And so that we can learn to work on the problems and not so much be quick to send people to jail, but really work on the problem. Because the fact that people think about jail first, we're not addressing the problem. And we have to figure out how to address the problem. I'm talking about like us dealing with our children coming to us out crying. I'm talking about things like that. How do we help them feel safe to tell? That's the main thing, because in their minds, you know, I was told, don't tell the secret. It's our secret. And I was like, I don't want him to get in trouble, you know, but we have to figure out really just, again, the ways to create that environment for the child to feel safe to outcry. 
Nancy, I have a goosebumps, to be honest, because I can recognize myself in what you are saying. And I don't want to put you on the spot right now. That's okay. But I want to ask you this very important question. What was stopping you from revealing who was your abuser? Right. That's a great question. Um, Shame was definitely one of them. Um, Embarrassment, shame was definitely one of them. Um, Still loving my abuser, still loving and respecting my abuser. Um, And, you know, I didn't want to see him go to jail. I, I really, I, that's, that wasn't, I wanted to see him get help. I wanted him to be like placed in a program. I wanted to have control of that. And I didn't have control of that. Um, he had also been abused. And I, um, you know, uh, I believe it was by his father who also abused someone else. And he went to prison. He went to jail for it. And so I didn't, I know that it was associated with sending someone to jail. And I did not want any parts in having um, really done that. My focus was really to help you get the healing that you need. And that really was my focus at the time. Because, that you know, that's somebody that I really love. But why do you think it's important to speak up? Oh, it's important to speak up because we're in a national crisis. People are passing away by way of suicide every single day. Um, I'm doing a lot of um, advocacy in the area of mental health in the community. And I mean, it's children, you know, they're taking their lives with guns and uh, it's just really, really going really, really, really high, really, really fast. Like um, it's starting to become numb. It's starting to become a desensitized conversation, uh, almost and uh, it's very scary it's very scary it's, it's something being released and it's very scary yeah it's, it's we need to talk about it like it's emergency 911 yesterday that's where we are Nancy and I know you've shared with me what's happened in your family and if you would open up earlier you would probably save alive someone who you really love and care yeah i want i want people to know why it's so important and what was the story behind your doors well you know uh, the the reason why uh and you're asking why did i begin to share yes Mm -hmm. um you know, I went through this and again, I put it behind me and I just focused on becoming a better me. Um, and I just, you know, I tried to build myself to be the best version of me. And even though I would be fighting other stuff in between. Um, and then I just was like, OK, you know, I really. I love what I'm doing and I love where I am as far as um, an artist but I knew that I was still dealing with the pain. I was still dealing with the pain and, um, and I've fallen down. I, you know, when, when I wrote my book, I was fighting with the spirit of suicide and, um, and, you know, I had just went through a divorce. It was a really bad divorce. Um, 
I lost everything in my divorce and um, I was very upset and I was fighting with um, mental illness. I was fighting depression. I was fighting anxiety. Uh, it was really bad. And I felt very alone. Um, and the spirit of suicide tried to show up again in my life. And it was really, really bad, actually. Um, I could, you know, there would be times that, you know, when I went down, I would stay in bed for months. Um, you know, I was functional. I would still go do community stuff or do whatever, but I would just come back home and get in the bed. And, um, you know, I, I just understood that level. So um, I, I remember I was fighting with that spirit and um, and I was like scrolling on social media or something. I saw this story about this little girl. I cannot think of this girl's name. And she had hung herself in, on a tree because um, she had been um, sexually abused. She was a Caucasian little girl. So it's not like I saw a picture of a little girl that looked like me. It was a little girl who could have been me because she was in that age group of when I had my first suicide attempt. And so when I saw that picture of that little girl in the story, it like shot me in my heart. It just shot me. And I, I remember I just was, you know, I was crying. I was just, I felt bad, you know, really, it really um, resonated with me. And God was like, God was like, how dare you survive and not help somebody else survive? And I remember, um, you know, I was just crying. And then um, I heard uh, Holy Spirit say, uh, you have to be brave, you know, and uh, you have to stand up. And I was like, I'm not standing up, standing up. I'm not ready to talk about this. I, I was working on a, a hair loss book, which I didn't even finish. But I was working like a hair on a book on um, hair loss and all that type of stuff. Uh, I'll call her back later. I was working on that type of stuff. And I was taking like uh, these medical classes for hair loss, which I'm still dealing with, y'all. Pray for me. Pray for me. <laughs> and um, I'm still struggling with that. Please help me, y'all. But um, no, seriously. And, you know, I was doing these uh, classes and I was under, you know, I was like, let me start writing about it since I'm so stuck in it. And let me just share the information. You know, it could be a health of, uh, of wealth for somebody. So uh, a wealth of health for uh, someone. So uh, I was doing that. And then God was like, that's not going to be the first book you share. That's not going to be the first story you share. And he said, um, I heard Holy Spirit say, um, you have to be brave and you have to stand up. So I wrote that down on a sticky pad because I was writing my my um, my book and I had a lot of sticky pads. So I wrote it down. You have to be brave and you have to stand up. And I said, wow, you know, I would walk past it. You know, while I was running around, I was being a single parent. I was going through so much pressure. I was going through financial. I mean, I was under pressure and I'm seeing, you know, people were passing away by way of suicide. And I was like feeling the pressure at that moment. I was running back and forth. And I was just like, I I mean, I understood what people were going through when they mm -hmm. got to that place where they were ready to jump off the cliff. Yeah. Anyways, one day I walked past this, the sticky pad and I just remember saying, Brave girl, stand up. That's not really, that's not hitting. I heard Holy Spirit say, 
the brave girls are not just going to stand up. They're going to rise up. You're in the city of rise up. You're in the city of rise up. And um, I remember I wrote it down. I wrote brave girls rise up. That was a moment where um, I really understood the assignment. And I, I really started to understand uh, the purpose that God had for me for having been through what I've been through uh, for the people that I was here to serve. And it was bigger than me and it wasn't about myself. But when I was working on me, I was trying to save myself. Um, so even though my might seem like I was so strong, I was fighting for my, for my mental health. I uh, was fighting for my life, and it just so happened to be that I was pouring in myself while I was doing it. The further I was running away from the old me, the closer and the faster I was running to the new me. I remember I wrote down Brave Girls, you know, right stuff, and I said, you know, God, I don't have the finances or the resources to do this, but it didn't matter because it was like, you could just do it. So at that time, you know, I started connecting with uh, different people, different women in the community. I said, you know, I was like, we are, everybody has their own ministry. Everybody in this world has a ministry. Everybody has a uh, a purpose. Everybody has a calling. Everybody, 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 doesn't matter who you are. Everybody. I just, again, I just um, want to make sure that I help people the best that I can while I'm on this earth that I'm used to help people heal and that I'm used as a healing agent and God's still healing me because this is definitely a process. This is not for the faint of heart. People see us up here talking. A lot of times um, people take it for granted because they don't understand the level of uh, strength and the mental capacity that you have to have because, um, you know, you're reliving these experiences when you talk about it. And the way I like to say it is, it feels like you're running into a burning building to save people. And then coming back out and running back in and then coming back out and then running back in. And uh, after a while, a lot of times that does have that does have an, it could, it does not, I'm not going to say it does. It could have an effect on you and you have to be able to recognize those triggers. You have to be able to recognize uh, the, the things or the words that don't work for you, don't serve you. If someone makes you feel um, rejected or disliked, then that's, that's okay. You know, try to not to let the, the uh, hatred harvest in your heart but learn to move on and just find your tribe and just pray about it that God will send you the right people the right tribe and the right connections that will help you in your healing journey so that you can be the light that you were meant to be in this world because your light is going to bless it's going to help somebody who is in their darkest moments to live amen sister Amen, sister. You know, Nancy, 
through my own healing journey, I've realized something very real, something very important. I've realized that people live their lives not as it is. People live their lives as they are. It's most important who you want to become. And if you want to become a light, shining light for someone, the opportunities, right people, money, uh, right place, right time, everything starts coming up, coming up to you. And that's what happened with your book. And before I ask you this question, I want to share something with you. We were staying in uh, Arizona in Cave Creek, and I was sitting outside on the backyard having a meeting, Zoom meeting. And then a hummingbird came close to me and it started to fly right uh, like in front of my face, maybe 10, centimeter, 10 centimeters, I don't know how many inches it, it is, uh, but very close, right next to me. And she stayed like here for 30 seconds. And the person on the, on the call saw it. Yeah. And I was just wondering, what does this mean to you when hummingbird is coming close to you? That's just joy. God's sending you joy. He's letting you know. He's showing you the beauty. I mean, for that hummingbird to come up to your face and your eyes, something so magical that you know you don't have access to. It's like grace. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what? what? How did I get access to this? How did I get access to come so close? It's an honor. It's like you wish you could take a picture and you know you can't even move. So nobody's going to believe you. I mean, you wish you could just snap a picture immediately because it's so beautiful. But you just try to remember as much as you can and hold that memory. And that's how it is with our loved ones. You know, it's just that spirit, that love, that joy that we hold in our hearts and that memory. Uh, that was beautiful. That's what that was. The hummingbird, the bird, the spirit, the Holy Spirit was, you know, touching you and giving you kisses and reminding you that you're so beautiful and you're his favorite and wow. that he loves you, that the world, God, your uh, whatever it is that you believe in. But that beautiful feeling of peace and love and joy was just reminding you that you deserve it. All of it. Amazing. Wow. <laughs> I didn't know this. Uh, she did it twice, two days oh, in a row. Oh, double for your trouble, girl. I know, <laughs> right? I know, right? Wow, Nancy. And where, where is your book? Uh, book's name, My Costa Rican Hummingbird Sings, is coming from. Yes, so I don't even know where it came from at the moment, but um, you know, God had just put it in my spirit, my, my Costa Rican. Um, first, I had my hummingbird things. Um, oh, okay, I had a hummingbird experience. Um, when I was a little girl, I originally I grew up in Costa Rica. When I was a little girl, um, my mom was a maid, and we lived. You know, there was the big house for the for the owner, and then there was the little house where we lived. Um, and you know, at the bottom of the hill, there was coffee. Sometimes we would go down the hill and pick coffee with our baskets and all of that. At this point, the doors were open and a hummingbird came in the house and the hummingbird was trying to get out. You know, we had windows all over the house and the hummingbird kept hitting his 
I heard its body. I don't know what it was. It was just a hummingbird. was hitting its body against uh, the window panes, the walls, the cabinets, just trying to get out, trying to get out. It was just hitting itself, and it got exhausted, and it fell. And my mom picked it up very carefully, and she started baby talking to it, and she turned the water faucet on. And I was so excited. Like, I, I was so excited. I was so nervous. I couldn't believe that I was seeing the hummingbird laying down. I've never seen a hummingbird laying down, you know, but it was in my mom's hand and she took it under the faucet and she turned on the water and it began to like drink and like breathe better and just like calm down. And it rested a little bit. And then, uh, you know, we kept it just a little bit and then we released it outside and it was just so beautiful i mean that image is so beautiful i can't even describe it you know and so uh, when i was writing my book i was like oh my costa rican hummingbird sings i don't know where it came from because i can't sing so i guess <laughs> holy spirit gave it to me because my costa rican hummingbird the spirit inside of me probably had to just sing to speak to share uh, to rejoice, yeah. to talk about what helped me to heal the process of my fight. You know, how God was able to yeah. help me to survive um, my personal spiritual warfares uh, that I've been fighting, that I've had to. That was my experience with the hummingbird. And that uh, I remember that that's uh, a lot of what had inspired the book, of the, uh, the name of the book. But then. The name of the book is My Costa Rican Hummingbird Sings, Breaking the Bondage and Answering the Call. Now, when I wrote my book, I was not ready to uh, break bondages and answer calls. But uh, God put me in the position where I was kind of forced to talk about stuff that I would that I didn't want to speak about. And uh, and I was still fighting bondage. I was still fighting bondage. I was, you know, still fighting uh, addictions. I was still fighting things, you know. Uh, and so I didn't understand why God would call me to break a bondage and answer a call. And I didn't even know I'm, you know, barely could sometimes sometimes if my nerves are really bad, I can't even speak. And so I was like, why would he do this to me? Why would he why would you do this to me in the middle of my fight? Like I'm fighting, you know, trying to keep these kids in school, being a single parent, going through financial um, difficulties because I, I didn't have support. And why do you think, why did you, did you figure this out later? What? Why God was pushing you to break the bond? Well, God was pushing me to break the bondage because he was trying to break the bondage in me. He's mm. trying to break the bondages in me so that, I can help other people break the bondages that they're going through. Um, I believe that, um, or what I'm learning is that you really can't help people unless you have really, I mean, you're limited on how much you can help someone. It's not that you can't because I really learned to respect people who are in the area of helping people survive things that they've never been through. I feel like they are, you know, a lot of us have mother spirits. And so, you know, we're, we're, it all, it takes a village. We're all the mothers, right? We're all the mothers. We are all the mothers. We're a community, right? But I feel that, you know, really being able to, to share and help others 
which is very important. Nancy, how do you help people right now? I know that you are a healing and transformational coach. What resources do you use to help others? Yes. So I um, am actually a, a trained peer support specialist with uh, NAMI Georgia. I've been doing like a lot of, um, you know, talking to people who are, who are currently dealing with mental health conditions and, and really sharing my story with them, you know, sharing my story with them and letting them know that they're not alone, letting them know that there are people who are walking through the journey and still walk through the journey. And again, just reminding them that they're not alone, you know, because that's, that's one of the biggest reasons people end up passing away by way of suicide because of this um, stigma and because they feel very alone. Nancy, for people who would love to reach out to you, where can they find you? So I'm on social media. Um, all my social media pages are Nancy B. Brown at uh, Facebook, Instagram, um, Brave Girls Rise Up. That's the, the page for my youth advocacy stuff that I do. Nancy V. Brown Ministries. Um, you know, I didn't know what God was doing with that page, and I'm still open to whatever uh, he's doing with that page. But that's just a page where I share scriptures and, uh, you know, funny stuff to uplift and uh, keep people just kind of their hope, right? And then I have the Nancy V. Brown Speaks, where I kind of just invite, I'm open to topics and just talk about, like, stuff that really impacts us as a community and uh, let people share their, their own perspective. And that's also why I have another page called My Hummingbird Sings, which is uh, the podcast that I'm currently working on. That's just a podcast where I'm opening up the platform to help people share their testimonies, focus on healing, um, encourage themselves, encourage other people share poems, share, you know, just different things. Um, and just is growing. And, um, you know, the, the idea and the plans for it. So the main thing right now is sharing hope. Yes. And we will also share all these links uh, below the podcast. And I know, Nancy, you, uh, you were going to release your book, to launch your book, but some admin reasons... Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's not, it's not out yet. So if, if our listeners will be looking for this book, just to let you know, guys, stay tuned. <laughs> it's coming out soon. Yeah. Nancy, thank you so much for coming on today and for sharing your story. You, you do an amazing work and just seeing what sort of impact you make on men's and women's and children's lives makes me makes my heart sink honestly so thank you so much for all all the wonderful work that you do and thank you so much for coming thank you for being here i know it's not easy but there is a part of you who is ready to take this journey all the way and i can help reach out to me directly at anna at anna to get work 
You can also connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn for more healing stories and magic. This journey isn't possible to do on your own. So make sure to like, subscribe and review the podcast so we can help more people like you. If you have someone in your life who is struggling to overcome their trauma, this is something you can give them that truly can change the course of their life forever. We'll see you next time for another episode of the world's best trauma recovery podcast. And just remember, you are able to help yourself and you can do it right now.